good morning. Um, I am not Pastor Cal. If you haven't noticed, I think I'm a little bit prettier than Pastor Cal. But anyways, moving on. Um, let's just pray over that um, offering quickly, please. Lord God, we just thank you so much um, that you have given us something to give. God, so today we give these tithes and offering out of obedience, out of sacrifice, out of the overflow of what you have given us. And God, we pray that it would be multiplied into the nations, that lives would be changed for you, that people would come to know you, that people would receive kindness and compassion and mercy through our sacrifice, through our obedience, through what you've called us to do and to give. In your mighty name, amen. As sweet Gemma said, I am uh, Pastor Amanda Pettit, and I think that you should be familiar with me, those of you that are in the congregation. Um, today, you are having a hard time getting rid of Steve and I, but that's what happens when a church is willing to partner is you get people that just keep showing up, uh, maybe at the most random of times. Um, but those of you that are maybe on live stream and you're not familiar with who Steve and I are, um, we are the directors of Rescue Hill Nazarene Compassionate Ministry Center in Arlington. We are an anti-trafficking organization. And this church has partnered with us for many years while we were on the mission field um, but while we are in a new mission field, the partnership has continued. So I just want to say um, thank you for that. Uh, I spoke with your pastor uh, last night, and him and Teresa are in good spirits. He is bored to death. So I gave him a long list of agonizing movies because I don't watch happy movies. I'm a weirdo. I don't know why I torture myself. Uh, and I give him a long list of um, nonfiction books because, again, I am a weirdo and I torture myself. Um, I have a, re a weird rule that I have to read two nonfiction books for every fiction. Not that fiction is bad. It's just I, I, I don't know why I torture myself, but I do. So your pastor, um, love on him extra when he comes back if he chose to watch my movie list, my documentaries, and my books. But they are doing um, well. Of course, they want to be here and want to be um, with all of you that they love so much. Um, but COVID, but we're thankful that they're feeling good and, and they, are, they are doing, uh, I guess, as well as, as can be expected. Their symptoms are pretty mild. Um, their kids are well, so we're thankful for that. But just a quick update um, on Rescue Hill. Um, we are, are moving forward. Sometimes Steve and I look at each other and think um, that we're nuts for trying to start a compassionate ministry center and plant a church in the midst of COVID. Uh, but we didn't plan it. God did. And so we're trusting his timing. We're trusting his um, strategy. We're trusting his plan. And he has never failed us. And every time we feel like we're gaining momentum and we're starting to move, something comes along that kind of throws us for a loop. Well, in November, uh, Arlington got a freak tornado. And that tornado hit our building. Uh, but it has been a blessing because God uses all things, right? So we've been able to get a new roof out of it, um, finish some updates that we didn't have the funding for, 
Uh, so the last two days, we've had people at the building working, getting that done. Uh, my husband told me before I came up, uh, be sure to invite them to come and help this week if they want to come and help this week. So if you are bored um, or you're not or you're a glutton for punishment or you really love to paint, see Steve or I, we will stand at these. He's raising his hand here. Um, or if you're on live stream and you want to come help, um, you know, just message Pastor Cal or however you guys do that at Leontana um, and let us know that you want to come and we will uh, use you as labor. Uh, but anyway, Steve and I will be at the back door. We can answer any questions. Um, we, are, we are doing exceptionally well. The Lord has brought us some amazing new connections into this trafficking movement, um, opening doors with um, new police departments for us, helping us to um, plan and organize what a sting looks like when I go out on the police stings. Um, we're working at trying to get out on some of the, what we would refer as John stings, buyer stings, um, trying to see what it would look like to train some men to go out um, and to fill that role and be in, in that place. Um, but the Lord, again, is just opening these doors, um, top police officers that train um, other police officers, um, are coming, they're looking at the building, you know, they're participating, and so we know that there is amazing things in store. Plus, we have had three, uh, your pastor's wife, Sarisa, uh, Steve, and a good friend, Roberto, have passed the immigration part of what we do, and so we are still moving forward with starting immigration services, uh, you know, which we're, we're super excited about. And we're excited to get Sarisa in the building because we know it's going to get a little lively. Um, and we all just need her to stand at the door and welcome us every day, don't we? So anyways, we will, again, we will be at the back door. If you have any questions, you want to um, ask, any, ask anything, talk about anything, whatever it is, just, uh, just come see us afterwards. But today we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about mercy and sacrifice. And I know that there are um, a lot of words that we use in our uh, Christian language. I, I remember the first time I uh, stepped foot into a Christian church, I was 15 years old, and this really cute boy invited me. He's sitting right there. He's not a boy anymore. Um, he's getting kind of old when he takes two naps before bed um, on the couch and then wakes up and talks to me and then goes back to sleep and then wakes up and talks to me and goes back to sleep. Anyways, uh, I walked in to church and I had never been into a Christian church before. As a little girl, my grandparents um, were Catholic and so I had been to the, the Catholic church in the summertime. My parents were divorced and so summers were with my dad and uh, my grandparents and I would attend the Catholic Church, but again, I, I didn't really understand what was happening. I, I enjoyed the, um, the kneeling and the standing and uh, walking in to the, the back of the church with the holy water. You know, I was a little girl, and I was super fascinated with that, even though um, very early on at the age of four, I remember knowing that there was a God, four or five years old, 
that there was a God and I would talk to him, but yet nobody directed me toward Jesus. Nobody pointed me to, to God. Uh, my mother is an a unbeliever. My mother is a drug addict still. And, and so that was just not part of our, of our life. So at 15, I, I meet this cute boy. I go to church, and I kept hearing all of these words that I didn't know what they were. Um, I heard grace. Um, I heard the name Jesus. I heard um, pray. Things that we use as we talk to each other, as we do life together, but as somebody who had never been to church, those were foreign words to me. I didn't understand what they were. And, and I think that sometimes we just use that in, in our Christian world, in our conversation. Um, we throw around terms like um, grace. What about justice? I know that your pastor did a phenomenal series on justice. I know that I tuned in for some of that, and it was excellent. Um, what about the word mercy or sacrifice? And if someone were to ask us, what does mercy mean? Can we adequately describe what mercy means? What about sacrifice? We live in a culture that is very sacrifice-oriented. We like to think that maybe that's Old Testament sacrificing animals to God, but really it's, it's not. We have a, a military, and I'm looking at my Brazilians over here. Bear with me here. Um, our military sacrifices their family, their life, to protect us. Police in America, they protect us from crime. They protect us from perpetrators, right? What about firemen? There's a fire. Firemen are going to run into the fire. They're going to sacrifice their life to save people, right? So sacrifice is a good thing. We sacrifice our time to maybe come to church and I know you guys are doing a food ministry. I saw a Facebook post with a bunch of diapers. I think it was yesterday. Um, sacrifice your time to come and to serve. And that's good. Sacrifice is good. Right? So sacrifice is easy to kind of give a definition to. But what about the word mercy? Can we define mercy without God? I don't think that we can. So I looked up, okay, so I looked up uh, what the definition of mercy and sacrifice are. So the definition of sacrifice is an act of slaughtering an animal or person or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine supernatural figure. I'm not sure that that really works in terms of who we are in Christ and who we are as Christians. We don't go around slaughtering animals anymore. And if you do, let's have a conversation about that because that's a little weird. What about the definition of mercy? 
Can you, can you define mercy without God? Definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. That doesn't describe mercy in context of God to me. I don't think we can adequately say the mercy of God when we know of the cross. We very oftentimes, when questioned or trying to describe what, it, what Jesus did on the cross for us, Jesus dying for us, we say it, it's God's grace. Yes, Jesus is God's grace. The cross is God's grace. But it was mercy. So I'm going to get there. So just stay with me. Um, If you guys have your Bibles with you, um, I think it will be on the screen, Matthew 5, 7. Um, And we're going to go ahead and start in the the Beatitudes. You guys should be familiar with the Beatitudes. Um, I always learned them that they are the how-to-be attitudes. But they're definitely counterculture. So let's just read them together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't really want to be poor in spirit, do we? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It doesn't feel good to mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Does anybody want to be described as meek? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Will they be filled? They will be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So hold on to that. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I can't say that 2020 uh, we were known as peacemakers. Uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't feel good to be persecuted. I know that I don't want to be persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This is Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's a little countercultural. The Beatitudes are a little countercultural, right? We want to be brave. We want to we fight. We want to yell, no mercy! Right? Okay, so again, I'm a weirdo up here. Um, we want to be the ones that are running in, and we're doing the rescuing, and we're, we're pulling people out, or we're laying it all out, everything, and we're saying, I'll sacrifice it all for you, God. That's who we want to be. We don't want to be meek. We don't want to be known as a little church mouse. We want to be the brave one. 
I mean, I tell my kids all the time, do hard things, which I believe in doing hard things. I've been known, like, do something that scares you every day. Do something brave every day. But then I read the Beatitudes, and I think, oh, wait, Amanda, you're a little off. Because everything that we communicate and that we teach is opposite. We don't teach be meek. Right? So it's definitely countercultural, but if you back up to that 5-7, and again, I want you to hold on to that, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, so they will be shown mercy. Let's move over to Matthew 9-13. This is, in this passage here, Jesus is calling one of the disciples. He's calling Matthew. But 9.13 says, But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call, to not call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in this because he calls Matthew, who was a tax collector. He worked for Rome. He was the opposite of who you would want sitting at your dinner table. Right? Like he took things from you. You, you didn't want to invite Matthew over for dinner. He was an outcast. Um, he, was, he was maybe that scary guy on the street corner asking for money. He, he wasn't somebody that you would go and you would say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? But yet Jesus called him. And, and Jesus saw something in Matthew and said, come follow me. And Matthew did, and Jesus sat at the table with Matthew. And he sat at the table with other tax collectors. He, he sat with them, he sat with the sinners, and he ate with them. And the religious people came and were like, why is Jesus hanging out with them? Like, look at us. We pray, we go to the temple, we, we serve God, we give sacrifices, we do all of the right things. And everything that we do is good. Why is Jesus choosing them? Like, something's wrong here. And Jesus' response to them is, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. How oftentimes do our good religious things and I say, go, go to church, do all of the good things. Uh, so, so don't think that I'm saying sacrifice is bad or sacrificing your time or coming to church. I think coming to church is really, really good. I, I think you should do it more. I think I should do it more. But what, what Jesus is saying is you do all of those good things but me sitting at this table with those who need me is the right thing. Does that make sense? We get so busy doing the good things that we miss the right things. And in this instant, instance, Jesus points them back, and actually what he's repeating is Hosea 6, 6. And, and he's pointing them back to something that they know. And I think oftentimes Jesus does that. He points us back to things that we know. 
Um, he points us back to um, examples, things that compass moments in our life that, that root us, and we can always refer. Like the first time you have an encounter with Jesus. I hope that you have many encounters with Jesus. But there is that one moment that you never forget. And when you get mixed up or you're confused, you can always turn and you can look at it. Well, Jesus is trying to point them back to something that he knew they would know in Hosea, the Old Testament. He's, he's saying, I know that you've memorized this. Look at this. I desire mercy instead of sacrifice. So again, how do we describe mercy? I know that um, after this, this last year, 2020, everybody has um, an opinion of it. Um, we had some really hard times, but 2020 for me changed me. It made me better. And, and I'm, and I'm going to share a story with you, and I'm going to share with you how that, how that is and how that came to be. But before 2020, I probably would have said, well, mercy is, is like grace, but a little bit more right? Like, grace covers all things, and mercy's kind of like that. No, it's not. Mercy is like the deepest part of our hearts, the deepest part of who God has created us to be. It's there. Mercy's deep within us. Mercy is not a natural response or reaction. There are things that I don't know, and I can't understand, like suffering. Why do we suffer? Why do we see the things? Why do we have COVID? Why is God allowing this? Why are our churches empty? Even though people are on, on live stream and you should be on live stream, that's good. But why has this happened? I don't know. But I know that God will not waste it because God is not a wasteful God. So the beginning of, it, it was February um, 2020, uh, we were gaining momentum. We were, um, we were moving along the Compassionate Ministry Center. We were, we were doing well. Things were going great. Uh, Steve took a team to uh, Mexico, a district worker witness team. He took them uh, to Mexico. I was supposed to be on that trip, but just didn't feel right. Um, I just didn't feel like I was supposed to go, and so I canceled late in the game of going, which for the NMI president to cancel going on the mission trip um, was a little bit of pushback on that. But I knew that God wanted me to stay home, and I didn't know why, and I didn't really like it. But I chose to be obedient. Um, God is gracious and kind and has a lot of grace for me. Let's say that. So Steve's gone. He's in Mexico. I am home alone. Molly went to Mexico with him. Jane's at college. Our son does not live with us anymore. Um, and, and I feel like maybe I have an ear infection. I, I felt kind of sick, but I didn't, you know, I, I went to urgent care. I had a lymph node that swelled up. And I went to urgent care. They said, oh, maybe you have an ear infection. Here's some antibiotics. I took some antibiotics. And this is a story that I have not shared um, publicly. I'm going to share two stories with you today um, of, 
of mercy for me. So um, I go to the doctor. The lymph node, I take the antibiotics, lymph node doesn't go away. I go to my primary care doctor, and she says, I really don't know. Let's do some blood work. They call me a few days later, and they said, can you come in? And I freaked out. Why do I have to come in? Can't you just tell me on the phone? But I went in, and she said, um, you know, your blood work looks a little off. We're going to send you to a hematologist. Well, a hematologist is an oncologist. An oncologist is for cancer. So I left thinking I was going to see a blood doctor. And when Texas Oncology called me to schedule an appointment, I, I said, who is this? And they said, this is Texas Oncology. You've been referred to us. And so I, I went to the oncologist. They did more blood work. Um, I was then referred to another doctor. They did blood work. Um, I had CAT scans, head to toe, you name it, everything you could possibly imagine. And three doctors were telling me it looked like I had lymphoma. And I remember standing in um, Ikea. We were buying furniture for the center. And I was standing in Ikea, and I saw this family a young family with three little kids, and I have three kids come along, and I, I looked at them, and I said to God, this is it. This is it. I've raised my three kids, and now I'm going to have cancer, and I'm going to die. You're done with me here, God. I have gone all of these places for you. Do you not see the sacrifice I made for you, Lord? I left everything and went to the mission field for you, God. And he so quickly turned that on me and he said, yes, you did good things. And I am proud of you. But I sent you for you, not necessarily for me. We went through everything imaginable health-wise. I had a doctor do a biopsy of the lymph node and he told me when he um he looked at the cat scan and he said it's pretty solid you know i, I would say that it probably is going to be lymphoma i go in the next week for a biopsy and he looks at the cat scan again and he looks at me and he looks at the cat scan again and he says it's not very it doesn't it's not very solid the CAT scan changed in a week. Biopsy comes back, clear, nothing. So I believe that God divinely heals. I believe he heals through doctors. I believe he heals through medicine. I believe he heals and delivers us through process and instantaneous. But what happened in the in-between those two appointments was me sitting on my couch Telling the Lord, I just want to touch the, the hem of your garment. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. It was that passage. 
my prayer was, let me just touch you a little, Jesus, and I know that, that I will be healed. And, and in this, that was God's deepest mercy for me. His healing was mercy. Mercy that I couldn't put into words. Mercy that I still can't describe to you today. I can't give you a definition of God's mercy except for I've been healed. Two weeks before that, I got a call that my dad had cancer. Now, my dad struggled with alcoholism my entire life. There was years that were really good, and there was years that were really bad. And for me to say that I always handled it gracefully, no. Did my dad have grace on me as I wrestled through his addiction and not understanding? Yes. And you can go ahead and put that picture up. I'm going to show you a picture here. That's me and my dad. I think I was two years old in that picture. So here I am, the Lord healing me of cancer, and my dad dying of it. It absolutely makes no sense. And I haven't shared about the Lord healing me. I've kept it very close to my heart. This is the first time I shared it because I really don't know how to, how to um, understand it. I, I don't know how I was healed, but my dad was not. So my, my dad and I have had a, a beautiful relationship. I have lost my, my mother and, and her side of the family to drug addiction. Um, most have died um, in the last five to ten years related to drugs somehow, and I've lost my mother for the last 20 years to her addiction. So my dad is all that I had left, was my dad. And even in the midst of his addiction and the alcoholism, I never doubted his love for me. And there was years that were hard. There was years that I was not full of grace. There was years that I was not like Jesus, even though I knew Jesus, because I didn't understand the addiction. And I'm not saying that when we have mercy for someone that we enable, because we mercy and enabling are two different things. See, Jesus doesn't enable us to stay in our sin, so we shouldn't allow other people to stay in their sin. And I, I didn't know what to do for my dad, but I know that from the time I was 15 years old, I'm 42 now, I have prayed for him. I have preached the gospel every which way to my dad. So, I'm healed, I don't have cancer, and my dad is on hospice. And I wanted to change places with him because he didn't know Jesus. And I did. So I, I still had to have surgery. 
I still had to have all of that in April. April 2nd, I had surgery. Within two weeks, I was in California saying goodbye to my dad. And because of COVID and because of a lot of things, Steve couldn't come with me. And I was sitting in a hotel room by myself. And I called my best friend, and my best friend gets all kinds of calls from me. I think she probably dreads when she answers the phone because I call with, like, they think I have cancer. Um, like major life bombs. I, I usually reserve those calls for her. And I called her and I said, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Watsonville, California, and I, I have to go say goodbye to my dad for the last time. And I don't know what to say. And she said to me, you tell him what a good daddy was. And so I left and I went and I sat on my dad's bed and he couldn't talk anymore. Now, mind you, my dad was um, hilarious. He's so funny. Um, and, and he knew that I was coming and he literally was dying. And they said, he won't get out of bed when you're here. But when he, when I walked in, he knew I was coming and he was standing and he walked to the door to greet me. And then he put on his big California hat that probably only Michael would understand what those hats are. Um, and his Ray-Ban sunglasses. And he told me, take a picture. Because he knew it would be his last picture. So um, I sat on the bed with him that day, and he couldn't talk. But he looked at me, and he communicated, and he, he, he said, you know, honey, I'm going to die. And I said, you've been a good dad. And Jesus opened the way. And that day, my dad got saved. And I said to him, Dad, Dad, I, I need to know where you're going. And, and he prayed with me. He said, I, I do believe in Jesus, and I want to be with him. And so he prayed with me. And I know that this probably sounds crazy, but knowing my dad was raised in the Catholic Church when he did this, I knew that it was a holy moment. And God's greatest, deepest mercy in the midst of my suffering, my pain, my lack of understanding, why me and not him, my dad is in heaven. After a life of addiction, destructive, horrible choices, that is mercy. That is mercy. I left California. I got home. And a amazing man who had followed God his whole life, and let me tell you to those that are young in this room, that's the best testimony you can ever have. 
is one that says, I've followed God my whole life. Passed away as well, and, and he died of cancer. And Facebook was full of praise for him, and he, is a, he was a good man, and he did many things while here for Jesus. And, and this thing rose up in me that, that I, I, I can't explain, but it was why, almost like an anger. What about my dad? What about my dad? What about my dad? As everybody is posting tributes at Facebook, and again, I just had to tell the Lord, I don't know, God, I don't know how to describe this. I don't know what it is that I'm feeling. I don't know what it is that I am experiencing. And God took me to James. And, and it was, it's the, James 2, it's the passage about um, favoritism being forbidden. And James 2.13 says, Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Remember Matthew 5.7? Mercy triumphs judgment. In the end, it was mercy. All mercy. God saving me, healing me, is mercy. My dad dying of cancer, coming to Christ, not being judged for his addiction, but receiving Jesus and heaven. He took the sweet ride, is what I always say, is God's mercy. So as we've talked um, a, a lot, all of us have talked a lot about year 2020, and I can't say that it was our brightest year as Christians, because I think there was a lot of, we just don't know. But we're not people that don't like to know. We like to know, right? We like to have answers. We feel like we should have an answer. So 2021, let's just point to mercy. Let's just be merciful. Let's stand in that tension of, no, we don't know. I'm going to stand right here and I'm not going to move, God. I'm going to stand in this space that I can't describe. But when given the opportunity, I'm going to be merciful because I know that I am one who needs mercy. And if I'm not merciful, I don't receive mercy. And it's easy for me to judge others and their behavior and their addictions and their actions. But mercy triumphs judgment every time. The world needs less answers and more mercy. And each person in this room and each person on live stream has that in you even if we can't explain what it is there is mercy in us because jesus is in us 
So let this 2021, and I'm not a, a girl of, um, you know, I'm going to do this in 2021. Let's just always be getting better. Let's always be changing. Let's, let's always be going further with Jesus and deeper with Jesus. But I will say for 2021, let this be the year of mercy. Let this be the year that this community out here feels mercy from this place. Would this be the mercy house? As the doors are open, even in COVID, would people flood in? Would people be driving by and not know why they're driving by, but they feel that thing in them that they desperately need and what they need is mercy and you are walking mercy. So I don't know if this made any sense to anybody. I think I probably confused you more. But I think it's okay for us to not be able to explain when God does something. We just have to say, I feel it. I feel it. And what I felt and what I experienced I don't have a definition for, but let me touch you with it and touch you with it and touch you with it and you with it and you with it. Let's be those people. Let's be known for our mercy. Let's be known for our compassion. Let's be known for our forgiveness. Let's be known for all the things that Jesus is. So let me just close us in in prayer today. God, we just... We just stand here in the tension, God, of, of a world that feels like it's crashing in on us. A world that feels like it's getting darker and people are getting further and further from the church. And Lord, it's okay for people to get further and further from the church, but we want them to get closer and closer to you, Jesus because really it's all about you and without you, there is no church. So God, would this be the year of mercy? Would this be the year that every person in this room and every person on live stream is merciful? Would that word lead us and guide us? God, I pray blessings upon blessings upon blessings over this place and blessings upon blessings over the people in this building and on live stream today, God. I pray blessings over Sarisa and Pastor Cal and their family. God, would their reach go further and further and further. Lord, as they're already reaching the nation of Brazil, would it only be more and deeper God, we praise you, we thank you, we love you. Thank you that we don't always understand suffering if we ever understand suffering, but yet mercy comes from suffering and suffering makes us better. And it's okay for us to hurt. It's okay to feel the things because you don't waste it. You are not a wasteful God. Would we see you in everything? Would we see you in the hard places? Would we go the hard places? Guide us, Lord, because we need you.